During the first four Sundays of Ordinary Time, we heard gospel passages on the first of those weeks from John, and then the next three from Luke, about the beginning of Jesus's public ministry. The focus in Luke included Jesus's offering himself to people to encounter and follow him, and people's free choices to accept or reject Jesus's invitation. That's the way Jesus worked 2,000 years ago as he entered into people's lives. That's the way that Jesus works in every subsequent generation through the power of the Holy Spirit. In the first chapters of Luke, there are many references to Jesus's teaching that he offers to people, but it's only in chapter 6 from which we hear today that Luke presents in an extended way the content of Jesus's teaching. So we're going to hear from this section of chapter 6 today and for the next two Sundays. If you pay attention to this this week, particularly if you enter into it in your own reflection, hopefully you'll be prompted to say, I would like to hear more about what Jesus is teaching. If you come back next Sunday and the following Sunday, there will be more. This section of the Gospel of Luke is called the Sermon on the Plain, simply because in Luke it's set on a stretch of level ground. Big crowd of people come to Jesus, they want to, they hear his teaching, and he touches them, healing them miraculously of illnesses and of the possession or the influence of demons. So big crowd of people on a level surface listening to Jesus. In Matthew, the parallel text is called the Sermon on the Mount because it's on a mountain and it's more extensive. What's key to know as you reflect on this this week is that this first part of the Sermon on the Plain is not addressed to the wide crowd of Jewish and Gentile people who are present. It's specifically addressed to Jesus' disciples. So these are people who have chosen in one way or another to begin to follow Jesus. A disciple is a follower of Jesus, someone who puts him at the center of their life, who listens to Jesus, who tries to understand him, and who puts what he teaches into practice. Hopefully you and I are trying to grow as disciples of Jesus. Also, in this passage, it's important to know the bigger context. The bigger context is Jesus has become a sensation in Galilee. He is going around from place to place preaching the word of God about the kingdom of God. I think you know this. The kingdom of God is the central message of all of Jesus's teaching. He tells people that he is beginning the kingdom of God, the final phase of humanity, which begins with him and will become eternal. A disciple of Jesus is someone who, by following him, becomes part of the kingdom of God. The other thing is, immediately before this Sermon on the Plain, Jesus goes up on a mountain overnight in prayer with his Father. He then summons to himself many of his disciples, and he chooses 12 of them to become his apostles. Apostle means someone who is going to be sent out into the world in the name of Jesus. There are 12 apostles chosen by Jesus. 
That is a clear symbolic number to any faithful Jewish person at Jesus's time or today. There are 12 tribes of the people of Israel in the Old Testament. People at Jesus's time have been hoping that those 12 tribes will be restored by God so that the kingdom of David will be restored on this earth. When Jesus chooses 12 apostles, when Jesus has been talking about the kingdom of God over and over again, it's pretty safe to guess that some people, particularly people who grab that symbolism, grasp that symbolism, may be hoping that Jesus is about to launch a real political military kingdom, a concrete kingdom of power like King David to restore Israel and with that, to have the Romans expelled from Israel. So with all those expectations, what Jesus ends up teaching to his disciples, 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 at the beginning of the Sermon on the Plain, turns out not to be about some sort of military political rebellion, but it is, in fact, revolutionary. It's actually more revolutionary than a rebellion would be. What he teaches is a fundamental change, a reversal of values about what people understand constitutes happiness. And he teaches a fundamental change in understanding about the real social and economic conditions in which people live 2,000 years ago, and it turns out today. So, first part of the Sermon on the Plain that we heard today includes from Jesus his teaching to his disciples about what their lives will be if they actually live as his authentic followers, if they hear his word, if they choose to learn to understand it and to put it into practice. Blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed are you. Beatitude, descriptions of people who are blessed who are happy, who are fortunate in God's sight. Four Beatitudes. Blessed are you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. There is some measure of economic poverty, if it's whether or not it's destitution. It's not nearly always destitution in the lives of most people with whom Jesus spends his life. Most people in Galilee are very familiar with economic poverty. Poor people in that time and in our time, in every time, economically poor people are often considered less by worldly standards, less important, less valuable, less interesting, just less. In a fallen, sinful world, people who are economically poor are very frequently considered to be less. Jesus says, if you are poor and you live as my disciple, the kingdom of God is yours. The kingdom of God, which by most worldly standards you would think would have to do with material wealth. If you are poor and you actually live my life, the kingdom of God is yours. And if the question comes to your mind right now, well, I'm not economically poor, what about me? Stand by. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be satisfied. 
People face physical hunger. They don't have enough food to eat. People face other real material lackings of things they have every human right to have. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be satisfied. If you choose to live as my disciple, if you put my love into practice and you're hungry, you will be satisfied. I hope you may be asking, well, when is that going to be? Blessed are you who are weeping now. Life includes so many wonderful experiences and lots of happiness, hopefully. Life also includes a lot of suffering. It's inevitable. Physical suffering, emotional, psychological, mental suffering. We experience lots of bad things in this world. We suffer and we weep. Blessed are you who are weeping now. If you actually live my love, if you choose to live as my disciple, you will laugh. The fourth beatitude, I think in terms of timeline, opens this up to me and maybe to you. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and insult you and denounce your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Who is the Son of Man? Correct. Jesus is the Son of Man. If you are living my love, if you're living as my disciple, blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude and insult you and denounce your name as evil because you are living for me. Rejoice and leap for joy on that day. Behold, your reward will be great in heaven. These reversals that Jesus is introducing are about right now, but they're ultimately about heaven. They're about eternity. There's an eternal fulfillment in all of these beatitudes. And Jesus adds, for their ancestors treated the prophets in the same way. We heard in the first reading today from Jeremiah, a man who is God's true prophet, who brings God's word to God's people because God loves these people. Jeremiah in the Old Testament is hated, he's excluded, he's insulted. He is, in fact, denounced as evil, and our tradition is we understand he probably is ultimately killed by his own people. Blessed are you when people reject you because of me. Your reward will be great in heaven. Those Beatitudes cut right to the heart of the realities, the real social and economic conditions of humanity. This is, to repeat, a fallen, sinful world. 2,000 years ago and today, this world includes the rich and the poor, the hungry and the satisfied, those who are grieving, those who are laughing, those who are cast out, those who are socially acceptable. If you are poor, hungry, weeping, persecuted because of Jesus, and you choose to live as his disciple, the kingdom of God is yours. All of these realities, all of these bad realities will be reversed, perhaps now, hopefully now, fully eternally. 
Those realities are not good. There is nothing good about poverty, hunger, weeping, or being persecuted. Those realities are part of this fallen, sinful world. They are the condition of this world. If you choose to actually live my love, the kingdom of God is yours, and these will all fully, ultimately, be reversed. So back to that question I mentioned about, well, what if right now I am not economically poor, hungry, weeping, or persecuted because of my faith? If you actually choose to live as a disciple of Jesus, all of those will become realities in your life to some extent or to a large extent. If you choose to live Jesus's love in a world with economically poor people, you will take your material resources, your money, and you will give sacrificially to people who are poor. You will be more poor as a result of living the love of Jesus Christ, authentically living it. If you are a disciple of Jesus and you open your eyes, look at this in Lawrence, if you open your eyes to the reality of how many people in this world, in this city, are hungry, you will sacrifice, sacrifice some or a good part of what you have in terms of food, and you will give it to people who are hungry. You will be more hungry yourself because you choose to live as a disciple of Jesus. If you have no problems whatsoever in your life right now, wonderful. If you are not weeping at all, good for you. But if you open your eyes to the grief of the people who surround you in this world and choose to live Jesus' love, you, like Jesus, will enter into the lives of those people and you will choose to share and address their suffering. You will, as a result, weep. If you choose right now, I guarantee you, to actively put into practice in word and action the teachings of Jesus Christ, you will be cast out. You will be hated. You will be insulted. And your name will be cursed as evil. The kingdom of God will be yours. And you will become part of all of this reversal of the conditions of this world. So, final part of this first part of the Sermon on the Plain, corresponding to these Beatitudes, are four woes from Jesus. What I invite you to do this week, what I encourage you to do, open up this passage, hear Jesus speaking directly to you, go through those Beatitudes calmly and with real reflection, listen to Jesus speaking to you, reflect on what does this mean, and take equally seriously these woes. The woes are directed to Jesus' disciples, including us today. Jesus completely loves you. He has given his entire life to save you. He only wants you to be part of that salvation. He is warning us about these four things because he loves us. Woe to you who are rich now, for you have received your consolation clear about all four woes. It's not about wealth just as wealth. It is about living riches, focusing on riches apart 
from God's love, apart from Jesus's way. Woe to you who are rich now, for you have received your consolation. That's just directly true. If you are focusing on enjoying wealth apart from God's love, well, whatever consolation you have received, whatever stimulation you've gotten from it, it's over. You've received it and it's over. It has no implication for tomorrow. It has no eternal consequence. Woe to you who are filled now, for you will be hungry. If you are focused on consuming for the sake of consumption without reference to the world around you, without reference to God's love, you will be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will grieve and weep. This is not about disciples of Jesus being overly serious people. That word laugh, laughter here, is an Old Testament expression about carefree contentment about my success in the present moment. In the Old Testament, that specific word is the mark of a person who is a fool. If I am just laughing now because everything is great in the world, well, everything might be great in my life, but I am clearly not paying any attention, let alone entering into the needs of the people who surround me. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will grieve and weep. This eternal reality begins to bubble up. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for their ancestors treated the false prophets in this way. Woe, 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 woe. I find it fascinating that these warnings are originally spoken in the real world of first century Galilee. We live in 21st century United States of America. We live in a popular secular culture that 24-7 encourages us to focus ourselves, so secular with little or no reference to God, on what? Riches, consumption, laughter, meaning carefree contentment, everything is great in my life, and being well spoken of, being liked. How many likes do I have today? We live in a society in which these woes, these warnings, are absolutely as important, if not more important, than any time in the past 2,000 years. Woe to you if you focus on these realities apart from the love of Jesus Christ. If you're a disciple of Jesus and you make the error of falling into focusing on these realities for themselves, apart from his love, riches, consumption, laughter, and being well-spoken of, be warned. We are all affected to one extent or another by popular culture. And that's, I think, where the eternal part of this comes in. The older I get and the more I actually do listen to what Jesus teaches, I think there is going to be a shocking reversal of the order of this world for many, many people on this planet, potentially including me. Eternally, be warned. Eternally, there is going to be a reversal. Eternally, you can be part of love and turning this world upside, right side up rather, or be warned eternally, you can be on the wrong side of this. 
Please be open to this each day this week. Just honestly enter into it, think, reflect, talk, share, grow. Thank you for listening. To learn more and to get involved, go to stpatrickparish.com.